Ladies and gentlemen, warning, spoilers ahead. Excitement is gold. Adventure is gold. Danger is gold. Thunderbirds are gold. Good evening and welcome to television. Hello! Hello! Hey! Hey! Whoa! I'm a Philip Hunting. And I'm a Wayne Stellini. Welcome to Fred Watch, where we view and review films, everything from the mainstream to the obscure. Wayne, what have you been watching since our last podcast? Well, our last podcast, we... It's a brand new year. It is. Yes. We reviewed a fantastic film called Superman. So we talked a lot about comic book movies and there was this huge debate and discussion <laughs> about the current stream of DC movies and I was like yeah I was kind of more on the fence with it so I went and reviewed the DC movies from DCEU oh, yes nice. so a bit more contemporary and now that I've been more recently acquainted with them if you will mm-hmm I just want to say, and Philip, we're not going to discuss this because we'll be here for hours. No discussion. So I'm going to put out my opinion and I do not want your feedback. <laughs> Bite your tongue. Having rewatched them, accepting what everyone says about the DCEU, mm. could everyone just like calm down? <laughs> <laughs> These movies are great. They're fun. They're entertaining. They're engaging. They're my heroes on screen. The palette might be dark. Turn on the lights. Philip, what have you been watching since last podcast? Um, well, since last podcast, I actually got to get out to see Mary Poppins, the new one, Mary Poppins Returns. Oh, how so was that? I finally got to see that. Really good. Yeah. Really good. Um, Kirsten and I just really enjoyed it. A lot of people have been poo-hooing it and, oh, it's not, it's not Julie Andrews, it's not... A, well, no never, kidding. Yeah. <laughs> it is... I feel for a new child family audience, yeah. you can't have that same strictness. And, and one of the big things, sorry, one of the big things they're talking about is that the new Mary Poppins, she plays it very, lots of nods to the camera or winks mm. or, 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 you know, the, she'll shut a door and then she'll look sad and she'll look, you know, yeah. Ah. All that sort of stuff. And, oh, you didn't get that until the end with the mm. original Mary Poppins. Yeah, but this is a new audience that wouldn't understand why this person that's supposed to be so fun is being so mean. Yeah, well, it's a different film. It's a different context. Exactly. It's not set in the exact same year, I imagine. No, no. It's um, actually set... I, I worked this out as the history buff. Um, yeah. The first one is set in 1910. Yes. This one is set in 1935. Oh, in the okay. Midst of the Great Depression. <laughs> okay. Um, so things are only going to get up. Yeah. I'm happy. <laughs> Alrighty, from 1935. But yeah, it was. It, I, don't, I think the film looks good. I haven't seen it oh, it's myself. Worth, but worth it looks good. But um, yeah. So you and Carson had a lovely date night. Yes. Yes, very much so. Well, perfect. Well, Philip, you and I had just had a lovely date watching today's film. Yes. So, what is today's film? Today, we're reviewing the 1966 film. Thunderbirds are go. Tell us about it, Janet. <laughs> Thunderbirds are go is the first movie of Jerry and Sylvia Anderson's 1965 electronic marination called Super Marination TV series Thunderbirds. 
Set in the mid-2060s, the Tracy family are wealthy humanitarians who run International Rescue, a life-saving organization based on the family's hidden island in the Pacific. The children of Mr. Tracy, Scott, Virgil, Alan, Gordon and John, operate the Thunderbirds, five technologically advanced air, land and sea vehicles designed to carry out numerous rescue missions. Thunderbirds Argo follows the Zero X, a Mars lander, on its first mission. When the launch goes awry due to sabotage, International Rescue is called to aid and are requested to assist in the mission's second attempt. Also, Alan dreams of Cliff Richard and the Shadows for some reason. <laughs> Wayne. <laughs> yes, Philip. What are your thoughts? What are your gut reactions? Well, my thoughts while watching this film... Mm-hmm was primarily, why does Philip hate me and why is he torturing me <laughs> with this film? I thought we were friends. <laughs> we're friends, um, aren't we? Yes, yeah, we are. we are. Okay, the intentions were good, weren't they? Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, in terms of Thunderbirds, I enjoy it to a degree. I'm not a fanatic at all. So I was looking forward to watching Thunderbirds Ago. I'd seen it once upon a time quite a while back, not really remembering much of it. I didn't mm-hmm. remember Cliff Richard in the Shadows. <laughs> and I then also remember not really enjoying the film so much. Mm. There's been a few years between that viewing and this one. My opinion does not seem to have changed. Mm-hmm. It's a slow-paced film. Mm-hmm. And it's slow-paced, but it still doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah. yeah. It's it, a slow draw to nothing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It is visually stunning. What a beautiful-looking film. Yep. And I think that's the appeal mm. more than anything, mm. the aesthetics. And we can now look back and marvel at the practical effects. They're mm. done so well. Oh, yeah. You know, and I think with the Thunderbirds, you tend to forget how well the practical effects are because it's easy to parody. Mm. And you mm. kind of remember the parodies yep. of the Thunderbirds more than the show <laughs> yep. itself. But when you go back, you go, wow, that's really cool. Like, I love, I love the aesthetics of it. But you're pushing this aesthetic value for 92 minutes. Yeah, yeah. It gets tedious and tiresome. Mm. I know we're going to talk a lot more about this film, but I will flag right now, there is going to be very little positives that I can draw from it, (laughs) apart from the aesthetics. So, Phil, how about yourself? So, when I chose this, at the time, I'd actually forgotten that this was actually the Thunderbirds movie I did not like. Right. So, I really... As a child, I used to love the Thunderbirds. Yes, compared to today's sci-fis, it is slow-paced, but that's something actually I want to talk about a little bit later in more detail. But... I still enjoyed it. I enjoyed the rescues. I enjoyed all the craft. I enjoyed all the the build up to the the fact, especially for children, the the fact that they played almost the exact same sequence every time the, <laughs> the craft lift off. Yeah, it is. You are there to see oh, Thunderbird Two's coming out, and the, <laughs> the, the the sheath of the rock comes down. The yeah. palm trees fall away, and it's that every episode they never fast track it. No. It's cool. It's a reveal. That's so it. That's it. If you're watching it for the first time, it's exciting to see. If you're watching it for the 20th time, you're in familiar territory. That's it. It's no different to Adam West's 60s series. 
the Batmobile moving out of the Batcave and Rock moves aside. We love it. It's a part of the story. That's We know what's going to happen. The problem I find with this particular one, and actually thinking about it, there is another movie which, hey, we may do one day. Sure. uh, Thunderbird 6. Right. So that's the sequel to this? That is the sequel to this. It's not a direct sequel like you'd think, oh, one needs to come after the other. It just came after. Yeah. And that Thunderbird 6 actually has a solid storyline. Yeah. Now, it still has a lot of the problems that this one has in terms of pacing. Right. But then, if you watch the series, the series has a lot of that sort of problem. Yeah. And in all honesty, this is a problem for us in, you know, our era. Mm-hmm. Because we've moved on from that sort of storytelling. Whereas... Again, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but a lot of movies, a lot of shows were done in that sort of slow pace See, in 66 I don't, or the 60s. Yeah, I don't mind the slow pace per se. Because, so long as it's going somewhere. Yeah, and, that, and that's what, what I really wanted to emphasize because I don't mind, you know, slow moving films mm. because every scene should at least build on the one before yes. it. This one seems we've to be more like we've got some really cool action sequences. Yeah. And again... Because I won't, I will not fault the aesthetics at all. The action sequences are included under that umbrella mm. title. They're beautiful. They're so well done. But when you take out the, you know, whiz bang wow factor, yeah. there is no story here. If you got rid of the beautiful aesthetics and made it a, a radio play, there's no play there. There is nothing. Yeah. With that, I may as well, I've been alluding to it a couple of times, may as well jump into this point. Yeah. I've always noticed there's this big thing with these sci-fi style movies pre-Star Wars. Yes. Now, when I first said this off, off film, <laughs> Wayne sort of laughed at me, go, oh, here we go, ramming Star Wars into it. But when you talk sci-fi, you kind of have to talk Star Wars. Oh, it's it's a benchmark in the in the cinematic genre of science fiction. Absolutely. And so what you tend, do tend to find, and we actually found this with This Island Earth. Yeah. Um, for listeners, if you haven't heard that, go back and listen. Yeah, episode 11. Episode 11. Mm-hmm. And This Island Earth struggled from this idea that they felt they had to explain everything. Yeah. Every little detail, because the idea of sci-fi was... Still in its infant state. I think this type of sci-fi, mm. and absolutely because it's padding out your plot as well. You're introducing new concepts yeah. because sci-fi itself evolves. Yeah, that's it. You know, I mean, we could say it probably evolves more mm. than most other mm. film genres. I would say because a drama is a drama. Yeah, that's it. You know, is a drama. Even comedy. There's different comedy styles, mm. but with sci-fi, you are introducing new language. That's I suppose. It. That's yeah. It. Where Star Wars, and this is what I mean by that was the difference. Star Wars took that idea of language. You really, when you just sit down and look at Star Wars. The episode four, or as it was known in 77, Star Wars, Mm. just took a simple Arthurian tale of a hero's quest. Uh, You have all the good guys are good guys, bad guys are bad guys. Very simple. And there was all this language, this terminology. But instead of saying, oh, the Death Star and it's this, that and the other thing and the other thing and powered by this and... uh, they just said, the Death Star. And that's all you needed. And that's all you needed. Absolutely. All they would have during the, the, the dogfights in space that have all this technical stuff, you know, R2, the stabilizer's broken loose again, see if you can't lock it down. Now, 
what the hell's a stabilizer? What the hell? All you know is he's saying to a droid that fixes things, we've seen fix things before, fix something because it broke loose. Yes. That's all you need. Abs- you took the words out of my mouth. That is absolutely all you need. And you're right. Star Wars works mm. and why it endures as such a wonderful film. And you know what? Even take the genre out of it. Just mm. as a wonderful yes, film in yes. itself is because the story is solid. That's it. Now, it did not create an original story. Who cares? No, who We've cares? got a story that works. Now, let's build on that. Exactly. Now, we jump back to before that. They didn't have the confidence. I, I, I'm yet to have seen a sci-fi movie, and I'd love for people to show me one. Yeah. Let me know in the comments below. I've yet to see a sci-fi movie before Star Wars that truly just went, Hey, look, you're in the world. Don't worry about the hmm. the bits. This, the whole opening sequence of this movie is them putting together this spaceship, not only so that, you know, as Wayne says, it looks great. Yeah. But so you get a, a sort of understanding of, okay, this is a ship that comes together and then comes apart in space and it does this. You don't need to know all that. Who cares? Who cares? Yeah. Open. Ship is about to take off. Yeah. We see a bad guy jump on board or something. Oh, something's about to go down. Make it that drama as opposed mm. to this technical readout. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Like, if we want to even look at Thunderbirds or Go, the opening sequence, it takes forever. Mm. And, the and of course, like, it doesn't need to be dialogue heavy. I'm somebody who likes dialogue when it's yeah, good. Yeah. But... It doesn't need to be dialogue heavy, but the dialogue is even so patched out. Yeah. Because we're like, okay, we've shown all of this. We've shown how clever we are. Insert line here. Yeah. We've, let's and they're do trying more to make that. it realistic. They're yes. trying to make it like, oh, how does a how, how do they actually launch a spaceship? Well, and you, you know what, Philip, you're absolutely right because they want you to believe it. Yeah. Now, with somebody like myself, and I'm sure like you, Phil, hmm. and I'm sure like a majority of people. Yeah. Just introduce the world. I'll believe it. That's it. You don't need to justify things the whole way through. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So, I don't know. I think there's lots of sci-fis that do it well. And, look, I'm not the most in-tuned or expert person in the sci-fi genre pre-Star Wars. I've Mm. seen a few films. I think other films have done it. Mm. But I think the reason why Star Wars is such the benchmark is because it did it best. Yes. And it kickstarted a genre. It set a template that then was following it. Yes. Because I actually think maybe the problem is, and this is just coming to my mind now, yeah. so it's probably totally wrong. We'll work actually, on. sure, why not? <laughs> I think that the sci-fi serials mm-hmm. did it really well okay, because yeah. they had 15 chapters to do it. Yeah, yeah. And so now what feature films are doing okay well we don't do chapters anymore Mm -hmm. we do a 90 minute feature film they're still going by that template yeah but they don't have the time to do it here yes yes that's my thought of it why it's done and with star wars coming about it was an homage to those serials without saying i'm going to make it exactly like those serials in terms of pacing because you know what i might only have one chapter (laughs) and that worked that sort of fear of this might not kick off worked for the film most certainly most certainly and i'd definitely say that this this it's got those problems of the you know the tv series to movie issues but it does it in such a weird way because 
it does all this stuff like we've just pointed out of explaining stuff and oh let's assume you don't know this and let's assume you don't but then there's a lot of stuff it just assumes you know yeah a lot of stuff where it goes yeah you've seen the series yes <laughs> no yeah exactly um one of the big things i want to say and that we actually point the, i pointed this out in the intro was alan Alan yes. has this weird subplot, this B story. <laughs> yeah. Where, so essentially this is sort of a coming of age movie yeah. for Alan in his B plot background story. Yes, because Alan's the youngest brother. Alan's the he? youngest. Is I the think youngest. he's about 21 at this point and the others are like in their mid-20s, early 30s. Yeah. And he's, 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 you know, nice and confused. And again, this is the 60s, so I don't understand the dating culture of the Mm -hmm. 60s but if you actually and one thing i want to point out and i've been sort of hinting this to wayne the entire time alan is actually in canon to the the tv series dating tintin Mm. they are not sort of just on and off they are exclusively together that's right and yet he is chasing the heels of (laughs) uh penelope who is a english uh spy or someone who just seems to like to sleep with everyone that's more fan theory than anything else but we assume this the point is she's living the life man. Living she the lives life. in a mansion no judgment but i'm just saying <laughs> but my, my point is that we see in the movie at the end he's on this date with penelope yeah and then tintin's there giving him shade but <laughs> so you know he's like she's like yes you are now a man oh no no that's it um yes you did very well uh today and tonight, <laughs> <laughs> there is a lot of innuendo, and you're right. The um, subplot involving Alan contains what I will call <laughs> one of the weirdest and longest, and absolutely the longest wet dream <laughs> I have ever seen. If it was done well, you would be like, "Hey, that's really clever." But I actually felt like that whole dream sequence involving Alan on a date with Penelope was just to pad out the, the yeah. length time. Shoehorned in. You've got Cliff Richard and the Shadows yeah. performing because we'll throw a song. We can mark it or tie it in yeah. with a popular yeah. pop star. Um, because look, the song is fine. It the song re- is great. The Shadows perform well. You know, it's It fine. reminded me of one of those old variety shows. Yeah. Uh, so The Young Ones, a comedy, British comedy show, famously threw in a lot of bands every episode because they could get more money for being a variety show than just a comedy show. Why not? Brilliant. Yeah. But they made the musical interludes work. Yeah. They they sort of drove it into their story, which they didn't have much of a story, so it worked anyway. Um, they threw it in there, and it worked. This felt like a variety show in a series that's never been a variety show. Mm, yeah, true. So... Yeah, it, to me, it was just ham shoot in there. It was yeah, it was it was weird. It was terrible, and it just was pointless. And it went on forever. It wasn't funny. It wasn't sweet. It wasn't like a, 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 a over the top of you know, like I think the monkeys used to do these musical interludes, but it was over the top. Yeah. of a plot point or yeah. a scene they were doing, so but it the- would. But even then, it feels right. The monkeys were no, a music band. No, music band. <laughs> yeah. This just felt... And even the song itself. I mean, I don't know what the song's called, mm. but it's talking essentially about, if you leave me, I will wreak hellfire. I will, <laughs> I will make your life miserable if you leave me. And it's like, 
That's not a date song. That's not a, a song you have on a... It's... Oh. Yeah, no, the, the sequence just felt silly. It yeah. felt like, oh, we've got a special guest star. It yeah. just, it just, it f- served absolutely no purpose for the plot and for the narrative. And we could argue it should because the B plot is about Alan exactly, coming of age. Exactly. But it doesn't work. It doesn't do anything. They would have been better. I know what they were attempting to go for. It failed miserably. Mm-hmm. But they would have been better just having Mr. Tracy go, Hey guys, we got uh, uh, the Cliff Richard to come out here to, <laughs> to, to play a little song for how well you've done. Yeah. Hey. You, <laughs> might, you might as well have. They're wealthy enough to afford to rent yeah, Cliff Richard. Or it. Cliff Richard... Junior. Oh, Cliff Richard Jr. Junior. That's terrible. It is so bad. It is so bad. How yeah. long do you think Cliff Richard was going to run on for? Well, exactly. Considering this is set like a hundred years after <laughs> when the film was made. Yeah. Oh. It's just that dream sequence. You just go, oh, wow. We're going there. That to me actually is probably the lowest point of the film. There are many low points, but yeah. for me, because it is... So forced. Yes. You know, and you know what? The characters are fine. They're they're great characters. Alan's a good kid. I love Lady Penelope. I love Cliff Richard and the Shadows. You know, (laughs) your songs are on my iTunes playlist. Like, trust me, I'm a fan. It does not work in this world. It does not work in this context. Silly. Even as a dream. Yeah, not even as a dream. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I feel, moving on from that sort of thing... Tell me about it, because I'm going to keep ranting. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, if you want low points, if that's your lowest point, the second lowest point had to be on Mars. (sighs) A low point that should have been a high point. Should have been a high point. Yeah. So they eventually get to Mars. The the Mars... Oh, and as a fan, side note, as a fan, they just throw characters in for no reason. Yeah. So one of the characters they brought on was actually the main villain in the Thunderbirds universe, who is the Hood. But he's essentially, his whole shtick is he wants to get the plans of the Thunderbirds because the Thunderbirds are secretive, they're their, the whole shtick of how they got the crafts together was essentially by going to different um, manufacturers and getting every tiny bit made from a different person and brought in. So nobody knows how the machines work. Well, his whole plot is in the series is that he wants to get footage of the Thunderbirds. He wants to know who they are. He wants to bring them down because he's evil and nasty and all. that's what evil and nasty people do. Here, he's fascinated only with Zero X. Why not? Which, for all intents and purposes, is as open and non-secretive as can be. He's only in there for a very little bit. We assume he dies at the end, which is just dumb. Yeah. (laughs) It'll be that whole, that if, you know, if there's a follow-up, let's bring him back. Ah, surprise. Ah, surprise. Yeah, it's just really poorly played out. But then let's get back to Mars. Yes. They're finally on Mars and they're trekking about (laughs) and they shoot at some rocks to make some, get some samples and they turn out to be space rock snakes. Yeah. And then they escape quickly and then they're coming back to Earth and no one seems to care about space rock snakes. That whole sequence is so well done. They're so cool. Yeah. But again... It's pointless. Because you've just done it yeah. for the purpose of let's have Oh, yeah, we're going sequence. to Mars. We better do something about yeah. that. Yeah. It was disappointing because it was really cool. Yeah. At first, I thought, I don't know, is there 
high tech scientists or something? Mm. Is, are they are they robots or mm. you know? And then they turn out to be creatures mm. that blend into the environment mm. and they pose a threat. You're right. It serves no purpose yeah. besides, I guess, an obstacle or a threat. But then, so what? So what? They you can know, get it's, off. They can. Yeah, because you've then you're right. You've you've introduced these wonderful creatures who've posed a threat. Yeah. But then nothing happens about them or with them. They don't accidentally take one back to Earth. Yeah. They, they don't get followed back by a rock snake horde. Yeah. There's nothing. Yeah, no, exactly. It's just it's disappointing. And, and I'm, I'm sad that that's disappointing. The, the point is that you're right. They have so many things that they just drop and don't play with any further. Yeah. And... To be honest, if they'd just made it about the rescues, and this is the thing, I reckon they must have gotten a lot of flack for it because Thunderbird 6, I won't go too far into it, but Thunderbird 6 is everything this movie should have been. They've learned their lessons. They've learned their lesson. The The basic plot of Thunderbird 6 is they need a new Thunderbird because they've had all these missions that they've almost failed because they just don't have this one last thing that they need. Mm. And Brain, throughout the entire thing, is creating these new uh, Thunderbirds, or designing these new Thunderbirds, and they keep getting knocked back, and Brain's getting angry. And eventually they stumble on this... uh, Again, I won't spoil it, but eventually they get a Thunderbird 6, and it's a single-contained story, which is really good. There's a couple of missions... There's one big mission that they've got to sort of follow th- around. And it's just well done, well written. Again, for a Thunderbird movie, we're talking, you know, um, a series that, again, the entire series struggles from this idea of having to explain stuff all the time and uh, missions that sort of uh, are half there and half not. Yeah, it would be interesting to actually see it because it seems like the story is actually more thought out. Yes. But I wonder how it would go with pacing. Because for me, this is the number one problem with this particular Mm. movie. Well, I want to say it's the number one problem, but it really (laughs) is. The lack of story is. But, you know, the pacing as well is an issue. I mean, if you don't have a story, then the pacing is really going to shine out. Because if you've got a great story, you can be patient. Because there is a reward. Yeah. I would definitely say Thunderbird 6 for a children's market has a very solid story. Whether it's an amazing story or not, it's 1960-something. It doesn't have to be amazing. It just has to make sense. Um, And I think the pacing issues, definitely from memory, again, not having seen it in a while, are bettered. Yep. They're still not fixed. But again, the whole series, you watch any episode of Thunderbirds and it will have a slight pacing issue. Yeah. This is probably the worst... Because, again, it's stretched out for so long. I feel like even as a 45-minute episode, it would still feel laboured. Yeah, that's it. And it's one of the things I have with the Thunderbirds, I guess, as a a whole. Because I watched the series when I was younger, you know, as a kid, as a teen. Some episodes hit the nail on the head. Yeah. Absolute perfection. Loved it. Engrossed other ones. Really dull. So, for me, it is a hit-and-miss series. Mm. So, the film, from where I'm coming from is already starting out on a wobbly foundation. Yeah. It could go either way. And it seems like with their venture into films, this one did not go in no. a good way. The next one does. No, that's it exactly. And even from myself as a child, 
I mean, I was watching reruns and waking Dad up at six o'clock in the morning to turn the telly on for me <laughs> on a Saturday. But I definitely remember enjoying the series more than I enjoyed this movie. Same. Most certainly. Before we get into the last uh, leg of this, yeah, I do want to ask you yes. a very important question. Yes. What is your favorite Thunderbird? Do you mean actual person or a vehicle? A vehicle. Vehicle. I do not have one. <laughs> yes, because I'm not so invested in the intricacies. I will say I love Lady Penelope's car. I know yeah, it's not yeah. a Thunderbird. No, no, that's um, a Thunderbird. That's oh, it is? Like, okay, yeah, great. In um, the canon of the thing, it's, it's a Thunderbird. Um, yeah, I love Known Lady- as Fab One. Right. I love Lady Penelope's car because I love her. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm sorry, that's a predictable and maybe no. boring answer. No. But, Phil, your eyes did sparkle a little <laughs> when a particular Thunderbird appeared on screen. Yes, so, yes. let me ask you your question. I have a very soft spot for Thunderbird 2. Yes. Just something about it, it, its bulkiness and the fact that it's a transport vehicle. It sounds, again, boring me sort of <laughs> analysing. It's a transport vehicle, man. It's happening again. But love brains. Just, yeah. <laughs> oh, so good. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember a um, degeneration skit about um, the Thunderbirds. Mm. And Brain walks in and um, Mr. Tracy says, have you been working on the new plans? And Brain goes, uh, yes, sir. It's uh, two parts gin, three parts vodka. And just starts wobbling all over the place. <laughs> Explains uh, the wobble. It's yeah. got nothing to do with strings. <laughs> but yeah, Thunderbird Two. Just I loved the color, the the sort of green with the yellow band around it. It is just its sleekness. Yeah. Um, something about always, you know, the reveal um, when its pod gets dropped and the reveal of what vehicles coming out to yeah. rescue. Yeah. So much fun. Yeah. So much fun. I guess it's a vehicle done well, isn't yeah, it? For the purpose it. of this world that they're in, most this certainly high tech world. In the sci-fi genre, it, it ticks all the boxes. Most certainly. But why wouldn't it? The Thunderbirds as a franchise does aesthetics well. Yeah, it does it so well. It. it does it perfectly. Yeah, that's it. Wayne, after all of this, yes. score out of five. <laughs> Final thoughts, score out of five. Well, look, uh, just recapping of what I've said. I'm aware of the Thunderbirds. I'm not as much of a fan as you are, Philip, but... I like them. I love the look of them. Always had a soft spot for Lady Penelope. She's living the dream life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. So, this franchise, this title, even this film, it ticks boxes. Yeah. You go, yeah, cool. There's appeal. So, when you actually sit and watch, mm. the letdown is all the more greater. That's it. Yeah. So, whether you're experiencing it for the first time back in the day or whether you're going back to it as a part of nostalgia, it is is a resounding disappointment. Yeah. Again, I'm not going to fault the aesthetics. I'm not faulting the practical effects. They're done so well. The costumes are beautiful. Mm. But everything else about the film is pretty dismal. Yeah. The plot or lack thereof is disappointing. Mm-hmm. Music is overplayed to emphasize yep. drama or tension. Yep. It's done badly. Yeah. It goes on for so long the pacing is badly done we're introduced to characters for the sake of them we're introduced to these brilliant martian monsters for no reason reason. it just it 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 just feels like it's a show-off piece but it's got really nothing to show off because we've seen it before on tv yep so yeah i could only score this one one out of five and again that's being really generous because i love the look of it Put it on in the background. Keep it on mute. 
it's a beautiful moving picture. Yes. Philip, yes. your score. Um, I actually have to agree with essentially everything you've said. As a fan of Thunderbirds, I used to have Thunderbird books. I used to have the little uh, die-cast uh, toys oh, with the island. Beautiful. Um, it was. It is a piece of, for the imagination for kids. Yeah. It is. You know, you make having little toys you'd go out you'd make up your own rescues and i yes. remember rescuing lego men left right and center so <laughs> so essentially philip with your imagination and the toys you created a much better movie than this one than this one, most certainly yeah. most certainly and again you you've hit the nail on the head like we've said before characters that are introduced for no reason shoehorned in just because oh this is a character that's in our show mm. there was no need for half of it no um and so I would definitely have to agree this particular, and that's the other thing. It doesn't do anything better than the series had already done. No. That's exactly like you said. It's not like this movie with extra funding went, oh, we're now ramping it up here. Yeah. It actually does things that the series does worse. So I definitely have to give it a one out of five. Uh, this is Thunderbirds are no. <laughs> You've been waiting all review to leave that I've out, been hey? <laughs> for that. No, but um, yeah, totally agree with you, mm. Phil. Absolutely. Wayne. Philip. What have you got for us next time? Well, next time, let's go back to Australian cinema. Ooh. Yeah, so I'm going to present a classic film, and I'm using that term. Not because we say, oh, it's a classic because, <laughs> but it was released in a point of time that continued on a momentum of new wave Australian cinema. So really yep. exciting filmmakers telling quirky Australian stories. Nice. So next time we're going to meet a tram enthusiast who gets involved in a bank robbery. The movie is called Malcolm. Nice. And that's our film for next time. Beautiful. Well, on that note, I've been a Philip Hunting. And I've been a Wayne Stellini. And, and you've, you've just, just experienced, experienced Fred Watch. Cue music. Da, ba, 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 ba. Shut up, Philip. It's <laughs> expecting the Thunderbirds theme from you. FAB, Wayne. <laughs> Take one. What is today's film? Today we are reviewing the 19... <clears throat> Take two. Today we're... Take three. Thunderbirds Are Go is the first of Jerry and Sylvia Anderson's 1965 electronic marination, called Super Marination, TV series Thunderbirds. I'm going to do that again because I forgot movie. Really? I think I did. <clears throat> From the top. Take four. Set in the mid-2060s, the Tracy family are a wealthy... Take five. Set in the mid-2060s, the... <laughs> I'm sorry, I just... <laughs> I got that in my peripherals. In my head, I've just said to myself... Blooper reel! <laughs> Go for it. Take six. Set in the mid-2060s, the Tracy family are a wealthy humanitarian... 
No, that's why there's no A. Okay, cool. Read ahead, Philip. Take seven. Thunderbirds are go follows... Ooh, that was terrible. Take eight. Thunderbirds are go follows the Zero X, a Mars lander, on its first mission. When the launch goes awry to sabotage, international rescue is called to aid and are requested... Can you do that whole yeah, sentence? Yeah. You forgot due to sabotage? Yeah. <laughs>